So we're, we're on 72, top of the page. It says, having made our personal inventory, what shall we do about it? So how many of you are starting on the step process? How many of you have already had a spiritual awakening as the result of steps and works with others? Good, a good percentage of you. So and the rest of you are at least contemplating, seeing if you can get a little help and get started on the step process, maybe? Okay. So are you wondering, obviously, if you've made a personal inventory, did you have to wonder what you were doing about it, or did you find someone to help you, and they kind of helped you through the inventory and told you what you are going to do about it? So that's kind of a nuance to what we do now, and we have done for a lot of years. When they wrote this book, they thought they would send it out into the country and people would read it and recover on their own. And they discovered that there needs to be a human connection to get the efficacy thereafter. Does it make sense? Okay. So it says, we've been trying to get a new attitude, a new relationship with our creator and to discover the obstacles in our path. Is that what you've been trying to do? How many of you don't understand why you'd want a new relationship with a creator you don't believe in? Because half the original fellowship were atheists or agnostics to begin with. Yet their experience showed that you need not be disconcerted. So who do I have here that sort of doubts this power we call God? Anybody? No one wants to cop to it? So, so the reason... I would want a new relationship with Creator is based on their witness, even though half of them were atheists or agnostics, they discovered that the world didn't cause how they thought and felt, it reflected how they were thinking and feeling. So if any of us are having a rough time in creation, we might want to check in with Creator, straighten out the relationship with Creator, creation straightens out. Does that make sense? So the reason I might want a new relationship with Creator, whether I believe in him or not, is I've been having a rather shitty time in creation. Okay. All right. So, so it says that we've, we have admitted certain defects and we've ascertained in a rough way what the trouble is. We've put our finger on the weak items in our personal inventory. So how many of you have done a four-step inventory at some point? Some percentage of you. Did you ascertain in that effort in a rough way what the trouble was. And what was the trouble in a rough way? Selfishness, self-centeredness, that we think is the root of our trouble. So we want to see if we align with them because rarely have we seen a person fail who's thoroughly followed our path. Right? So if, we're, if we find ourselves at first to these guys, the path is the process. And then in time, the path is the power. Does that make sense? So it's pretty important that we thoroughly follow their path. It doesn't say paths, right? Okay, so then it says, now these are about to be cast out. This requires action on our part, which when completed will mean that we have admitted to God. We've admitted to power, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our defects. So this brings us to the fifth step in the program of recovery mentioned in the preceding chapter. What was the preceding chapter? Chapter 5, how it works. Not how the power works, because none of us can fully define or comprehend that power which is God. It defines the process through which I become aware of the power within me, in me and through me. Does that make sense? Okay. So, they go on to tell us this is perhaps difficult especially discussing our defects with another person. 
So how many of you looking at the steps on a wall somewhere saw that shared to, with God himself and another human being the exact nature of their defects and you got to thinking about that thing you were going to have to share and you're really hoping they would think some kind of way about you and you go, yeah, that ain't happening. Well, they're acknowledging that. This is perhaps difficult. And that's the point at which I say, I once thought and felt as you do, but I doubt that I would have made much progress had I not taken action. This is what I did. This is what I experienced as a result. And the only way I can do that with credibility is having done it and experienced it as a result. Because when I do, I'll share the experience. Right? Remember when Abby met Bill? He, the, the notice didn't say he came to share his meeting list. He said he came to share his experience with him. Bill was drunk and drinking. And he's since changed millions of lives because of the experience Abby shared with him. Okay. So, it says, we think we've done well enough in admitting these things to ourselves. So how many of you got a little inventory, either mentally or on paper, and thought, eh, I'll just hang on to that one. Okay, so that's, that's what happens, right? So how many of you found that that was probably not a good plan? Because the authors say there's doubt about that. In actual practice, we usually find a solitary self-appraisal insufficient. Do you see how they're admitting to us their human frailties, their fears, and their discoveries as a result of their mistakes? This isn't a book of perfection. They've told us over and over. It's suggestive only. But we're suggesting based on all the shit we fucked up. This is how we learned it. So go easy on the people you're showing, go easy on yourself, but the easier, softer way is not to avoid, but to confront the fear, right? Okay, so in actual practice, we usually find a solitary self-appraisal insufficient. Many of us thought it necessary to go much further. We'll be more reconciled to discussing ourselves with another person when we see good reasons why we should do so. Are you a person that likes to see a good reason before you do something drastic? Pretty much all people want to see a good reason before we do anything drastic, right? So here's it. They're the best reason first. If we skip this vital step, we may not overcome drinking. So ask yourself, did you come here to overcome an addiction or a behavioral disorder, drinking or something else? Or are you just resting? How many of you came to recovery for a rest? <laughs> or a hideout? How many of you didn't know that's what you were doing, but your actions indicated that's what you were doing? So they determined that the step was vital, and they determined that there was a good shot I wasn't going to overcome this disorder if I didn't do it, Nonetheless, there was times where my fears blocked me from it, which is why it's so important to have another human being who's been through that experience. That's why our whole deal here is set up on a peer experience. We have lived experience to help you walk into your new reality by someone who's walked into that reality from the reality you found yourself in. And that's why this is so important. Does that make sense? Okay, so time after time, newcomers have tried to keep to themselves certain facts about their lives. How many of you have tried to keep certain, some of that shit on the down low? Okay. 
Trying to avoid this humbling experience, they've turned to easier methods. Almost invariably, they got drunk. Having persevered with the rest of the program, they wondered why they fell. Has that ever happened to you? Did anyone help you with that? The biggest lie we tell in fellowships is there is no rest of the program. It's a manner of living. I agreed in three that I would advocate for my brothers and sisters as long as I had a breath in my lungs. I have never done with the steps. I didn't work the steps. I learned the facts about me and I testified to what I was like, what happened, and what I'm like now for the rest of my life to anyone God pointed me to. Does it make sense? And so, so there is no rest of the program, and if we stop at any point, we're not fulfilling our obligation. So, it says, we think the reason is they never completed their house cleaning. So how many of you did everything but go show others how to do what you'd been shown? Did anyone point out to you that that's how you complete your house cleaning? The inventory didn't, clean, didn't complete your house. That just swept it all in a corner somewhere. Now it's time to take the trash out, now that you got it bagged. We don't throw the trash away, we convert it by using our worst experience to help another. So I don't complete my house cleaning until I find purpose in the suffering by delivering someone else who's suffering into purpose. Does it make sense? Okay. So it says they took inventory all right, but hung on to some of the worst items in stock. They only thought they had lost their egoism and fear. They only thought they had humbled themselves. They put the thought in italics in the book, if you're following. Anyone know why they might have done that? It's really important. <laughs> Sean doesn't have all the answers. He has the answers for Sean. Anyone else know why they might have put that there? How many of you have thought that you were rid of self. How many of you have thought you were being very humble? Did you notice that the minute you thought yourself humble that you lost your humility? It's not possible for a human being to think their way or act their way into a state of being. You can only be in a state of a being and the minute I become aware of that state of being I'm no longer in it because self is inter interceded once again. So it's really about being absence of self so I can be an instrument. How many of you have been blessed with a spiritual awakening and worked with others? How many of you have found yourself being an instrument? Like stuff flowing out of you that probably wasn't in there before it came flowing out. That's what it's like. This isn't theories, guys. This is facts from their experience. And half of them were atheist or agnostic. But you cannot deny the power flowing through. You cannot deny the transformed lives. Mine and all the countless others. Just can't. Okay. So, but they had not learned enough of humility, fearlessness, and honesty in the sense we find it necessary until they told someone else all their life story. All is in italics. Why did they do that? Well, it wasn't, wasn't about perfection. I heard, I heard you say all, and we, we sometimes teach that, that I need to have the perfect inventory, but that's really not it, because I'm going to be telling this story for a lifetime. But all, my life didn't even start until I put down the drink and started seeking spiritual connection. And so I haven't told my life story because I haven't lived it yet. In fact, what was, I was in addiction was dead 
Anyone know what I'm talking about? And that guy has now died, and now I'm living in this new creation, and my obligation is to bear witness to that power which restored me. Make sense? Okay. So more than most people, the alcoholic leads a double life. Any of you relate to that? He's very much the actor to the outer world. He presents his stage character. This is the one he likes his fellows to see. He wants to enjoy a certain reputation, but knows in his heart that he doesn't deserve it. So how many of you have had the experience of wanting to hold a certain persona and then realized you fell short of the mark? Do you notice how it was crushing, that it was a sensory experience, a, a war between the head and the heart? So they're describing that battle within that is causing me to paint the world I live in in such a negative light. And all of us in addiction, whether we're in active addiction or newly sober and not yet into our spiritual flow, have had that experience of that storm within and no seeming outlet, right? And so the world looks like it's attacking. That's what they're trying to get us to see is the, the storm is within us which is why the power within us is the only thing that can philosophically comfort me. I'm not going to be philosophically comforted by arranging the lights, the scenery, and the ballet, which I've spent my life insanely trying to do. Okay, so it says the inconsistency is made worse by the things he does on his sprees. How many of you have had sprees? How many of you have read about them in the court record? Okay. Coming to his senses, he's revolted at certain episodes he vaguely remembers. These memories are a nightmare. He trembles to think someone might have observed him. As fast as he can, he pushes these memories far inside himself. He hopes they'll never see the light of day. Where'd they tell us the power was found? The power to live is found deep down inside. The same place I'm stuffing all my garbage down in. Doesn't sound like a very good plan, does it? How many of you related to the plan? So the power to live is continually diminished by me pushing these secrets and things creep down inside myself, and I'm starting to see the benefit of perhaps unburdening as a new manner of living, yes? And it's more than unburdening, it's using that burden to help another out, right? All right, so he's under constant fear and tension, and that makes for more drinking. Psychologists are inclined to agree with us. So how many of you saw some behavioral health, some mental health professionals along the way here? I should see more hands in this than this crowd. <laughs> they may have been viewing you through a glass, but they saw you. Um, yeah, or something. Now, a lot of these guys have been closer than that, but anyway. Um, so how many of you spent a lot of money or spent a lot of the state's money or a lot of the insurance company's money on these examinations? Again, there should be a lot more hands. So it says we've spent thousands of dollars for examinations. So how many of you, when you were seeing this medical professional, this behavioral health professional, this psychiatric professional, told them the whole truth? How many of you followed their advice? 
We know but few instances where we've given these doctors a fair break. We've seldom told them the whole truth, nor have we followed their advice. Now, they've just told you who they were. If you relate to them, that's how you may be. And that's why we caution you as we bear witness in 12-step recovery never to share opinions. Because as a class, we are people who paid thousands of dollars for medical opinions, lied to get those opinions, and then ignored the results of those opinions. So what we want to share is, is the transformational experience, if we want to be useful. Yes? All right. So it's a small wonder that many in the medical profession have a low opinion of alcoholics and their chance for recovery. We must be entirely honest with somebody if we expect to live longer happily in this world. Rightly and naturally, we think well before we choose the person or persons with whom to take this intimate and confidential step. So when you were getting ready to do a fifth step, or perhaps even a fourth step, did you spend a little time thinking about who the right person was? Not everybody does, but some people. How many of you used, I still haven't found, I don't trust people? That's why I'm not, okay. So that may be a legitimate fear, or it may be an excuse. You'll have to examine yourself to see. How many of you, when you knew that you were just tore up from the floor up, I got to do something, and I don't much give a shit who hears it. How many of you spilled it out then? So we don't know. We know that when they, it said when we were ready, and then they go, next we launch. So as soon as you've encountered power, you're going to launch according to what they said. And if you didn't launch, we haven't encountered power, or we haven't admitted defeat. And you're going to have to, it would help to be with someone who's not judging your situation, just helping you do a little self-discovery. Does it make sense? Okay, so those of us belonging to a religious denomination which requires confession must and of course will want to go to the properly appointed authority whose duty it is to receive it. So if you have a religious practice of confession, by all means go to confession and then they're going to give us some cautions. Though we may have no religious connection, we may still do well to go to someone, with someone ordained by an established religion. So those of you who have pending charges or something of that nature, you may want to talk to somebody where you know whatever you're saying is protected by the confessional. Fair enough? That's why they say person or persons. Not everybody is a good person to tell about some of our life story if it's got legal consequences. You may want a religious person. Does it make sense? Because it's protected. Okay. We often find such a person quick to see and understand our problem. What is our problem? A lot of people looking at us that don't understand us think our problem is the drug. Or maybe it's the behavioral disorder. But those are symptoms of my underlying malady. And so if they don't know that about me, they're really not equipped as good as they are at whatever they do. They're not equipped like a peer who knows that my problem is not alcohol or cocaine or methamphetamine or fentanyl or heroin. My problem is that I am restless, irritable, and discontented unless I can get ease and comfort. And I keep going out in the world and I can't get it. And so I have to release something within me so I can get free of me. Otherwise, it's in intolerable. Anyone else know what I'm talking about? Okay. So it says, of course, we sometimes encounter people who do not understand alcoholics. So how many of you have encountered people who do not understand alcoholics and addicts? 
<laughs> How many of you have encountered them in places you didn't expect to encounter them? Yeah. So what these guys that have been around a long time that are raising their head, we encounter them in Alcoholics Anonymous because interestingly enough, a lot of people in Alcoholics Anonymous have never read our book or partook in our program. I don't know what's up and it's none of my business what they do or don't, but you'll know them when they say things like, you know, if you could just stay sober for a year, I'd sponsor you. If I could stay sober for a year, I wouldn't need your silly ass. <laughs> you know why you can't get well? Because you don't have willingness. Willingness is divine power. Until someone loves me unconditionally, I will never know willingness. So, how many of you have gotten mad at your friends who twisted off? Perhaps you don't understand alcoholics. How, how many of you got mad at you because you behaved badly? Or, oh, I know you don't understand alcoholics. <laughs> okay, so we never have to go out there looking for people who don't understand alcoholics because it's kind of impossible to fully define or comprehend, isn't it? All right. So if we cannot or would rather not do this, we search out our acquaintance for a closed mouth understanding friend. That's what they're telling us we're going to grow into. How many of you have found that when you first start in this endeavor, you're not a terribly closed mouth or understanding friend? How many of you working with others have found that you have grown into more so? That's spiritual growth. We need to point that out to people, right? All right, so perhaps our doctor or psychologist will be the person. It may be one of our own family, but we cannot disclose anything to our wives or our parents, which will hurt them and make them unhappy. We have no right to save our own skin at another person's expense. Such parts of our story we tell to someone who will understand, yet be unaffected. So understand what? Be unaffected by what? You can shout it out. I need to understand that they're in their search for the truth. Not the truth according to me, or even the truth according to them, but the truth. They're in their search for the truth. And then I have to know that I'm unaffected by whatever that process looks like. Make sense? Some people say, I'm trying to find my truth, but no, no, you're not going deep enough. This isn't the search for your truth or my truth. This is the search for the truth. And then armed with the facts about ourselves, my friend Chaplain Lee would say, we take those facts, that hopeless alcoholic, selfish, dishonest, inconsiderate, we take those facts to the truth, and the truth makes me new. Yes? All right. So... Um, says, if we cannot or would, oh, we search our, what did I do now? I went all the way down. Okay, the rule is we must be hard on ourselves, but always considerate of others. Notwithstanding the great necessity for discussing ourselves with someone, it may be that one is so situated, there is no suitable person available. Yeah. Do, you, do you think that's true in Phoenix, Arizona today? So Sean's point, how many of you have encountered, worked with people that were incarcerated and they didn't want to go through or write things down for obvious reasons? 
people facing pending charges may not want to write it down regardless of how free they are, right? And, and it really doesn't matter. If, whatever their reason, it's not going to work for them unless they honestly want to and they're willing to make the effort. So my job is not to judge their reason why, just to talk to them about my experience of fear and how the only way I ever outgrew fear was to confront fear. I couldn't avoid it. It went with me. Okay, so, so if that is so, this step may be postponed only, however, if we hold ourselves in complete readiness to go through with it the first opportunity. So they've assumed by the time I've been empowered to write four and sit down for five that I've at least learned a little bit of self-accountability. Who did I make the commitment to? In three, I made it. They said it's better to meet God alone than with someone who might misunderstand. By five, they got someone helping me with the testimony. So I... I, do I want to re-up on my three based on what the new facts, right? Maybe not. Okay, we say this because we're very anxious that we talk to the right person. It's important that he be able to keep a confidence, that he fully understand and approve what we are driving at, and that he will not try and change our plan. So that's your, another description of your job if you're helping somebody. You fully understand and approve of their search for the truth, and you're not going to try and change the process through which the truth is revealed to them. Make sense? And that means you may hear things about people that are disturbing to you, and if you do, and you no longer can take them through this process without judgment, you need to recuse yourself, find somebody else to do it. We have opinions about certain human behaviors, and although we're in no position to judge, we do, and the minute we do, we can't help them. Okay, so, so we must not use this as a mere excuse to postpone. When we decide who is to hear our story, we waste no time. So they've told us a little bit about the experience of deciding who's going to hear it, and if I'm the one hearing it, why I should honor that moment. How many of you have had that person come up and just start vomiting their life story on you? How many of you found that really fun? We need to honor that moment because they're not talking to you, they're talking to him in that moment. Act accordingly. Does it make sense? We have a written inventory and we're prepared for a long talk. How many of you have done a written inventory and got prepared for a long talk? How many of you needed help in preparing it and you sort of did the long talk while you were preparing it with whoever was helping you? There's all kinds of variations of how this goes down. Not everyone can just be sent off to write their own. Whatever you've been told, it's just not true. I, I shook so bad from delirium tremens for weeks, I could not, I couldn't wait. I had to, I mean, the day I got out of detox, I had to get through the steps. And the guy that took me through, luckily, knew that about me. And he wrote, and he didn't have as good a vocabulary as me, so I had to spell the freaking words for him. But he wrote down everything I said. I spent all afternoon with the cat. And by the time I was done, I was, you know, I was, I was rocking. But I just, I'm just telling you, it was a long talk, but it wasn't me in isolation. I couldn't have done I couldn't write. I'm capable of writing, but I was not capable of writing at that time. Um, so we explained to our partner what we're about to do and why we have to do it. He should realize that we're engaged upon a life and death errand. Do you realize the gravity of someone asking you to help them with their step process? Do you realize how linked you are to them when they do? 
Because those are those stones in this arch we're building to freedom. Yeah? Another book talks about that cornerstone and, and then talks about how what you do for the least of these brothers and sisters of mine you do unto me. And so it's very important that we, we, we at least cherish the opportunity when we're honored with a request for assistance and growing in relationship. So most people approached in this way will be glad to help, will be honored by our confidence. So now they're going to talk about the experience for them as the taker of the fifth step, not necessarily the hearer of the fifth step. So we pocket our pride and go to it. So why do they draw that image of pocketing the pride? Who's done a fifth step? I mean, taking it, not taking someone through. How many of you can see the image of It's absolutely necessary. It's okay when you're taking someone through to point that out and say, that thing you're thinking about not telling me, take it out, put it in your pocket. I wouldn't do it. Yeah, you were. Yeah, you were, because I did. Okay. So it says, once we have, every twist of character, every dark cranny of the past, once we have taken this step withholding nothing, we are delighted. So promise and condition. When they feel delight, what happens to you if you're hearing it? Do you feel their delight? If they don't feel delight and you're taking them through it, what happened? Well, you feel the absence of it. How many of you got all the way through your fifth step but held one thing back and whoever was taking you said, what you holding back? That's why we know. Your holding back is preventing the flow of the Spirit. And I can guarantee you, as a guy who really likes being inebriated, if you hold my hit, I'll know. <laughs> but it happened to me, too. I held something back. He said, what are you holding back? I said, how the fuck did you know? He said, brother, you hold my hit. <laughs> so you spill it, and the flow of the Spirit comes. Make sense? Okay, so how many of you weren't holding anything back and still weren't delighted? Did you know it was possible to hold back an idea and not withhold a fact? Okay, we'll look at that later because you could, you could not get the release because you were holding on to your own condemnation about what you'd done because you hadn't had a chance to go through the process to figure out how that goes. Does it make sense? We'll look at that. All right, so then it talks about some more promises. Once we have taken this step with holding nothing, we are delighted. We can look the world in the eye. How many of you were able to at least hold your head up when you got done because you realized you went through a process and you weren't, didn't feel judged? Okay. So we can be alone at perfect peace and ease. Isn't that sort of what we've sought? How many of you have tried being alone when you're newly sober? How many of you have tried being alone even when you weren't? Sometimes perfect peace and ease escapes us until we really get centered, doesn't it? Um, our fears fall from us, and we begin to feel the nearness of our Creator. See why it's so important we point out, these guys, half of them were atheists or agnostics, and they want to talk to you about the sensory nature of the power we call God. They, they don't expect you to believe in a God you cannot see, feel, direct, and use. That's why they told the whole story about electricity in two. 
Why do you believe in electrical theory? None of us can fully define or comprehend it because I've been shocked by that shit. Okay. All right. So um, we may have had certain spiritual beliefs, but now we begin to have a spiritual experience. So you may not have had the beginning of your spiritual experience in a way that you felt in two or in three. But by the time you've had your encounter and had your eyes open in five and confessed in that process, you're going to start feeling the flow. And when you do, the confirmation will be that person feeling it similarly will say that, that you're feeling right now, that's the power we call God. We're no longer talking to you about some theology or some concept. We're talking about the power flowing through you right now. Yes? Certain spiritual beliefs, but now we begin to have a spiritual experience. Okay. So it says that the feeling that the drink problem has disappeared will often come strongly. Promise and a warning. How many of you got through a fifth step and said, Whew, and then did nothing more? So sometimes we get enough relief from confession that we don't do anything else, but that's not taking the trash out, that's just piling it in the corner waiting for it to stink. Okay, so the feeling that the drink problem has disappeared will often come strongly. We feel that we're on the broad highway walking hand in hand with the spirit of the universe. So they're drawing another picture for you. What's it feel like to walk on a broad highway? We may not know what it feels like to do that, but we do know what it feels like to always be walking a tightrope if we've been in that addiction and in trouble, yes? Had to do everything perfectly and I just can't do everything perfectly and if I can't do it perfectly, screw it. Anybody relate? So now all of a sudden it's a broad highway. We're not... Okay. So now it tells us some more instruction. Returning home, we find a place where we can be quiet for an hour. That's pretty specific. How am I going to know if I can be alone at perfect peace and ease if I can't go home and take a test drive for an hour? They always expected us to know in reality that we were having these experiences. So it's my job, if you've never been through this process, to say, I need you to go home for an hour and I want you to watch your thoughts and emotions and tell me if you would describe it to me as perfect peace and ease or if you even came close. This is a very simple operations manual for a very complex machine, the human. And, and if we will point out to them what these people discovered, the experience they had, they won't have to believe in groups of drunks or light bulbs or doorknobs or stupidity because the power is found within, it's tangible, and it's relevant to their life, regardless of their theology. Does that make sense? Okay, so it says, carefully reviewing what we've done. What have we done? I've learned the facts about me. I've seen that I was selfish, dishonest, inconsiderate, what it looked like, what I was acting like, what I was talking like. I found that I was full of guilt, shame, remorse. Anyone else? Okay, and then I've talked about it with someone else and they didn't judge me. And I felt less so. And I felt like, wow, this really may be a solution. Yes? This is all happening in this hour. This whole revolutionary process is happening in this hour. I'm reflecting on the encounter. How did I get this far? Why didn't I do this years ago? Okay, so it says, we thank God from the bottom of our heart that we know him better. 
For many of us, for me, that was the first honest prayer I ever said because I now knew God was the subject of my experience, not the object of my belief. I'd always thought I was saying a prayer to something out there because someone told me it was something out there. And then when this fellow pointed out to me that the power was found within me and it was that flow of the Spirit I was feeling, when I said that prayer, I got more and more of that flow of the Spirit. I thanked God from the bottom of my heart because I'd finally found the bottom of my heart. Does that make sense? Taking this book down from our shelf, we turn to the page which contains the 12 steps. So we're going to do that in just a minute. Carefully reading the first five proposals, we ask if we've omitted anything, for we're building an arch through which we shall walk a free man at last. Is our work solid so far? Are the stones properly in place? Have we skimped on the cement put into the foundation? Have we tried to make mortar without sand? So let's go back and let's see about those questions. I'm not going to go back through all of those, but let's get back to... 59, I guess it's the best place to go and look at the first five proposals. Remember, I was going to tell you why you might not feel the experience of delight. It says, we admitted we were powerless over alcohol, dash, that our lives had become unmanageable. So when they do that, same thought, different area, right? Powerless over alcohol, the symptom, powerless over management of my life, the cause. Because someone kept telling me I needed to man up. I needed to just do the right thing. And I was prey to misery and depression. Should we look at that? 50, 52? Because that's, that's the unmanageability. And they didn't even tell me that shit until I'd already copped to it in one. They made me act in faith in one just to get to two to find out what it was I was powerless over. Any, any of you have a similar experience? So that activated the faith in me, which is all it needed then to move into the prayer and then into the eye-opening and on further. All right, so we're on page 52. We had to ask ourselves why we shouldn't, I'm on the second paragraph, shouldn't apply to our human problems the same readiness to change our point of view. We were having trouble with personal relationships. How many of you have had trouble with personal relationships? How many of you sobered up, thought all your problems would go away, found out you're still having problems? So we couldn't control our emotional natures. Any of you ever had that discovery? A little tidbit, you're never designed as a human to control your emotional nature. You were designed to experience your emotional nature. But if your spirit isn't strong enough, when you experience it, it drives you. So as you grow in consciousness, you get more spiritually fit. The emotion does not drive you. You use it to bear witness to the power that restored you. Does that make sense? Okay. So then it goes on to say we couldn't make a living. We had a feeling of uselessness. We were full of fear. We were unhappy. Couldn't seem to be of real help to other people. So that's the other part of my life that I'm powerless over how many of you, when you got through your fifth steps, all the records you had done and still felt guilty and how can I go on? So you still haven't let go of the idea of what powerlessness really means. Being powerless, what else could you have done? Absolutely nothing. That's not an excuse, but it is an explanation. I was ill. 
I was mentally ill. It caused me to act in aberrant ways. I cannot change the experience you had, but I can own that I caused it. You didn't deserve it. And if you will let me, I would like to try and make it right. And even if you won't, I'm going to endeavor to help others similarly afflicted so that that doesn't happen to anyone else. And that will be the restitution I offer to the world in honor of my third step. So don't wait for, I mean, you may have to get in your 12 before you get completely relieved, but don't stop because you're not feeling the relief because it's designed to activate the manner of living. Does it make sense? Okay. All right. So back to page 59. Came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. So where do we find the power? Deep down inside. Is that power greater than you? Are we willing to recognize that I'm feeling a little better now? I've now done something I didn't think I would ever do, but somehow I confronted that fear. It wasn't that I wasn't full of fear, but fearlessly I moved through the fear. Had to been a power within me greater than me to get me past that, yes? Okay. So what is insanity if I'm going to be restored to sanity? Well, that's what people say, but that's, the authors talk to us very specifically about an appalling lack of proportion, of the inability to think clearly. How many of you found as you got through your step process and started just trusting either the process or the person and ultimately the power that your thinking did clear up? That your sense of proportion, I'm not going to trade away for a moment of happiness a lifetime of suffering. I'm just not doing that. Right? We misquote that. The, you know, my best day sober or my worst day sober is better than my best day drinking. That's silly. I had great days drinking. That's why I did it so fucking long. But, but I don't want to trade the very best day I've had sober for even the worst day I had drinking because I'm quite sure I can find a worse day. I was really good at finding more worse days. Anyone else? Okay. All right, so, so this, the sanity I'm hoping to be restored to is a, a sense of proportion and the ability to think clearly because once I grow in consciousness and the spirit's striving, I'm going to need my mind because that's why our signs say think, think, think. Wake up and think, think, think. How am I going to fulfill the purpose I was placed here if I don't think? But wake up first. Yeah, okay. And then it says made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. They put that in italics. I, over the years, people have turned that into God as you understand him. That's not what they said. First of all, who's we? The first 100. It ain't you, and it ain't your sponsor, and it ain't your sponsor's sponsor. The authors, as we understood him. How would I find out how they understood God? I'd have to read their book, and we would find out that they understood God to be a source of power, peace, happiness, sense of direction flowing into them, provided they took other simple steps. That it felt like the clean wind of a mountaintop blew through and through. That's what they knew God to be. Yes? Even the atheists and the agnostics. So we don't want to leave people. We don't want created creating the creator. That's silliness. God expresses himself to us and through us. Got it? Okay, so we've made this decision, we've encountered this power, we're going to turn our will in our life, and they ask us, what do we mean, what do we do? Right? And basically we concluded it was just take the rest of the steps. 
And now I've done the four, my eyes are open, I've shared it with another, I'm preparing to get launched in six and seven. So I'm down to five, I've admitted to God, to ourselves, to another human being, the exact nature of our wrongs, hopefully the inventory got us there, and if not, my sponsor helped me sort through that, yes? Really, the exact nature of all my wrongs was, was fear. And that, that fear caused the self to manifest that caused life to be difficult for me and others who encountered me. Make sense? Okay, so I'm back to page 75. Actually, I want to go to 76 now because it says, if we can answer to our satisfaction, we then look at step six. So are we okay? Did I do everything I could? I'm not feeling too good, but I have hope for the future because I can see how I can put that to purpose because the guy taking me through it told me he put his to purpose and he knows me. Yes? Okay. So it says we've emphasized willingness as being indispensable. This is where the, the misconstruing and the fellowship, well, you're not willing. <laughs> Fuck you. I've heard the silliest shit. Willingness is divine power. Until they have seen the power of God demonstrated in and through. Why is faith without works dead? Because no one will know I have faith if I don't demonstrate the faith through works. And so it was never about me. It's about the absence of me. But when I demonstrate my faith through works, it will attract you. That was God's plan all along. And you'll ask me, how did you go from that to this? And I'll say, well, I got God. He sees to it. I go from that to this. <laughs> yes? All right. So it says, are we now ready to let God remove from us all the things which we have admitted are objectionable? So another question. Eyesight without insight, spiritual blindness. Go inward. Am I ready to let God? That is the sole instruction for six. Did you catch the instruction? Let. Yes? The step says have God. So apparently I have a part to play. So what do I have to do? How do you let go of an idea? The power's going to have to do that, right? I'm good at transmitting bad shit. I'm not worth a damn at transmitting good shit. But if all things, I can see what you need, if I'll try and get you what you need, somehow God takes care of what I need and my delivery to you. Does it make sense? So the letting go process is simply changing my focus from me to you. And that's how you let go of ideas. Okay. So then it says, can he now take them all, every one? They're ratcheting it up, aren't they? How many of you were afraid... If you let go of all your inclinations at once, you just vaporize. <laughs> Come on, I know. How many of you cling to your old, you know, persona? Still needed to be a little hip, slip and, slick and cool for a little while. I'm the same guy I always was. I just don't drink. Well, that won't take long, Joe. The guy you were is an asshole. You'll be drinking in no time. Um, they've told me that. Anyway, um, if we still cling to something we will not let go, we ask God to help us be willing. That's when they tell you that willingness is divine power. I will not become a better man through my own righteousness, but the power I encountered will become my righteousness. But I'm going to have to 
turn my thoughts to others I can serve. Does that make sense? Okay, then it says when ready, we say something like this. You want to say it with me? Who knows it? My creator, I'm now willing that you should have all of me, good and bad. I pray that you now remove from me every single defect of character which stands in the way of my usefulness to you and my fellows. Grant me strength as I go out from here to do your bidding. Amen. I want to point out to you there was no amen in three because you weren't done with the prayer. God does not make too hard terms with those who earnestly seek. I just asked for power to have my eyes open. Now my eyes are open. Now I need agreement because I definitely need power greater than me to go out and admit my harms and start serving. Does that make sense? And then we're it. We've completed step seven. Thanks. Thanks.